Welcome back to another edition of the Oklahoma's Varsity Podcast. I'm Cameron Jordan. I'm here today with Nick Sardis and James D. Jackson. Guys, how's it going this afternoon? Doing good. It is. Uh, we're recording on Thursday afternoon. It is week three. It is. Uh, it's kind of crazy to think it's already week three. This is the fourth week of football. Um, we've got not as many games this week as the past couple of weeks, just because there's a bunch of teams who are on buys this week, and then we're also up to. Um, 18 cancellations this week, which obviously none of us like that. It, it stinks when you see games canceled. Um, I think the biggest one that stands out was uh, Bixby at Stillwater. I know that that was a game that we were probably going to end up covering at one point. Um, I know everybody almost in the state was going to have an eye on that just because of it's been the last two 6A2 state title games. Um, I really hate that that one was canceled. I, I don't know how much you guys saw on Twitter. Um, a bunch of the players from, from Stillwater, actually, because Stillwater was the one who had to cancel the game. They're bored of education canceled all athletic activities through Saturday. Um, did you guys kind of see the, the stance that the players were taking and how they went and protested and, and were putting out statements on Twitter about how they wanted to play? Oh, yeah. I did, yeah. Yeah, Luke just sent another yeah. one. Luke McIndoe, he sent another one just now. Just, re- just basically the same thing. Like, why are we not playing? And I, and I think it's really interesting that you have kids nowadays who aren't afraid to use their voice. I mean, you've kind of seen that over the last couple months with – with all the with the protests for social justice and everything that's going on in the movements across the country, you're seeing everybody kind of use their voice more. And high school kids are doing that now, especially when their games get canceled. Um, I think that that's a really cool deal uh, that they're able to do that and have their voice heard and, and really be able to get their um, kind of opinions out there. But, you know, obviously talked about stinks that we had so many local games. Um, I mean, just kind of going down the list here, Carl Albert at Shawnee, Dell City at McGinnis. Uh, McGinnis is going to host uh, Booker T. Washington this week from Tulsa. So, they were able to reschedule. Uh, Douglas at Northwest Classen, Hera at McLeod, um, Laverne at Southwest Covenant, Luther at Rejoice Christian, Newcastle at Blanchard. Uh, Blanchard is actually going to play Bixby now. Blanchard is going to play Bixby's JV tomorrow night. It's going to be their uh, homecoming. They're going to rededicate the stadium, so it's going to be interesting for Bixby to kind of host a, or to kind of head down and travel to Blanchard for that game. But uh, it just seems like a – do what? The JV? Yeah, it's going to be Bixby's JV team. Uh, there's only going to be like two varsity players and both are from the offensive and defensive line who are going to be playing in the game. So it's going to oh, okay. be pretty interesting uh, that one, but you know, it's just, it's uh, up to 18 game cancellations this week, which is what I had the number at last week. Uh, we were at 21 in week one. So that number seems kind of constant. Um, I think I'm probably going to be staying between that these next couple weeks. Um, but kind of looking kind of a quick glance at last week. Um, I know that we all three, uh, uh, well, a couple of us had some really good games. Another one that kind of went, kind of was a little bit lopsided there. But um, what were some of the things that you guys noticed most from from your guys' games last week? Uh, who's going first, James? Are you going first or me? Well, I covered I covered two last week. Um, first up, I went to John Marshall and Lyanne, which we we all knew that was going to be a really good game. Props to Cameron for predicting the the uh, outcome which <laughs> probably shouldn't happen if, you know, just one more defensive play. But, yeah, so Vian got the, uh, the, the game-winning uh, touchdown pass, which is a 94 pass from Jalen Wright to his cousin. Uh, his, his cousin's honestly my mind right now. He's number 20. Um, which is just a crazy, crazy situation to be on your six-yard line uh, after giving up a penalty. And now you got, you got one minute to score, and you just you make – in one play, you make that, you make that play. It was truly incredible. Uh, Jalen Wright just throughout that night he had you know overall five touchdowns so that kind of just cemented everything that he did throughout that game he really was the offense for them that night and obviously his brothers on the other sides 
Solomon Wright, who's just still a dominant force. He hasn't he hasn't changed much. I mean, that's he's still dominant. It's the reason he's the Arkansas commit. So, uh, really like what I've seen out of them. Uh, then on Saturday, I went to the Soul Bowl for the first time for some reason for me. I don't know why I've never been there. <laughs> uh, lopsided game. Lopsided game. It was, it was pretty good, uh, especially Ricky Hunt, their quarterback, who was a running back, but now is quarterback. He's, he's a great, great player. Uh, four touchdowns. He didn't play much in the second half, uh, quarterback-wise. And so all of that just in the first half just shows how, what kind of athlete he was, he was throughout that game. Uh, he's a great football player, but I think he's a better basketball player. See, I haven't seen him on the court yet. That's, that's, <laughs> I can't he's wait so good on both. That's <laughs> <the thing. laughs> Quick side note, I was at the Soul Bowl. The announcer that I was sitting next to uh, apparently is Christian Doolittle's father from OU, which I didn't know until the third quarter of the game. It just kind of came up at a conversation. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> that's, Not that's bad really company. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently, Christian Duels in, in Las Vegas right now getting ready for the draft. So just uh, <laughs> be looking out for that. Where did he go? I can't. Was he at Memorial? I can't remember. Yeah, he was at M Memorial, then went to OU. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. And me, I was at uh, I was at Carl Albert Dell City, which was a really fun game. Uh, back and forth, uh, both teams had a couple really long touchdown drives. Dell City had an 18 play, 99 yard drive that took nearly nine minutes off the clock in the second quarter. Uh, Carl Albert responded in the in the had or had one in the first quarter. I'm sorry, that lasted like seven minutes. Um, came down to Dell City or Carl Albert scored the go ahead touchdown with uh, about three minutes and thirty seconds left. And after that, Dell City had a chance. They got down to the seven yard line and threw three straight incomplete passes. So Carl Albert ended up winning the rivalry again. Um, quarterback Ben Harris from Carl Albert was incredible. I mean, we all know how good he is. He's done it year in and year out. That's why. They're 43-1 and one with him as the starter. Uh, they've won three state titles, and it's just it's, – it's incredible to see how good Carl Albert still is this year. So their running backs, like, kind of were uh, tamed a little bit? Yeah, you know, Dell City's front seven. I mean, uh, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, 23 carries for 71 yards is what Del City – or what Carl Albert was held to. Um, Dell City's front seven was styled all night. J, uh, Javion Hunt, the Arkansas commit, he had eight carries – or he had 11 carries for 23 yards. So that kind of tells you how, uh, how stumped he was the whole game. Uh, the longest run of the game was uh, Ben Harris. He actually was a broken play. He scrambled up the middle for a 20-yard touchdown. And then Kentrell Bazell, uh, Buddy Bazell, uh, junior running back, actually had the go-ahead touchdown, an eight-yard run, and that was his longest carry of the game, or nine-yard run. And he had only had three carries before that for zero yards. So, I mean, it just kind of goes to show you how dominant Del City was up front, just Del City couldn't find a way to get it in the end zone there at the end of the game. All right, I was uh, Luther at Jones. That was the game that I covered. And Jones, I mean, pretty much dominated the game. Carson May, junior quarterback, uh, he's getting some D1 interest. Um, he had a great game, five touchdowns. Uh, let's see. Trying to think of just kind of things that stood out. I mean, just Carson May's dominance is the main thing that stood out for me. Um, he was one of our Player of the Week nominees. And, yeah, just, just a great game for him. and. A uh, you know big matchup for Jones this week uh, at uh, Lincoln Christian up in Tulsa. So that defending class three A champ. So that that should be a really good game. Probably one of the top games in the state. So um, so yeah. This was like a lot of uh, like individual great performances last week. Just based on what we saw, 
when you wrap up everything, you hear, you know, each of us speak on the games we went to. That's, you know, pretty crazy week, especially individual-wise. And uh, uh, the, 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 the Vian receiver that slipped my mind earlier was Deshaun Mays. I want to make sure I give him credit for his touchdown catch uh, and his run. So, I think another thing, too, I mean, when you look at our player of the week poll, I mean, how many good performances there were on there from games we weren't even at? Um, that's definitely something that's it's crazy to kind of look back on and just see how good some of the football was this last week. I mean, it was just fantastic, and that's something that I think we're going to keep seeing as the week goes forward. Speaking of this week, um, obviously, like I said, we've mentioned a bunch of canceled games, but the one game that's not here, um, Nick, you just mentioned, is Jones at Lincoln Christian. Uh, it should be a really good game. That's actually one that's supposed to be week one. It got postponed to week three, one of those few games that had to be postponed. Um, but, you know, I think it's, uh, it's going to be a really good game. I'm really looking forward to that one. Obviously, in the Tulsa area, so we'll be following a, a scores from down here. But I'm going to be going to Thomas at Cashin. And that's, that's an interesting game because I think Thomas probably has the advantage on the, on the, on the, front, on the front offensive line and defensive line. Uh, and that starts with Aiden Kelly. He's on the Oklahoma Super 30. Uh, six foot three, three hundred pound defensive tackle. Uh, he's committed to Oklahoma State, but he also plays on the offensive line. Um, all I've ever seen is his film, so I have an idea of what he plays, but I've never seen him in person before. So I'm really excited to go and see him and and see what he can do and what he can bring. Um, and then for Cashin, I mean, we know how good they are. We got to the state title game last year and fell the Ringling, um, but they're really good at the skill players. Uh, they have multiple skill players who just really talented. Brexton Green, Caden, Caden, uh, uh, God, I'm blanking on his name now. Caden Harrell. Um, Mason Manning. Um, I mean, there's so many talented skill players, and then Ben Harmon at quarterback too. Um, so I, th- I think that Cash has the advantage when it comes to the skill players in that game, and Thomas is going to have the advantage on the defensive front. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that one because Cash has looked just dominant these first three games this year. Uh, and then for you guys, um, again, I don't want to pick who starts, but uh, what can you guys tell us about uh, some other matchups this week? I'm going to be covering Mount St. Mary at uh, Christian Heritage Academy. Um, Probably the biggest biggest thing I'm looking forward to in that one is uh, Kate Hale a, uh, with CHA. Uh, does a little bit of everything for for CHA. Plays plays on defense, plays wide receiver on offense. Uh, so looking forward to seeing him. Been wanting to see him for a while. Um, you know, I know his family has had a lot of success at CHA. Uh, had an older brother who was an All-Stater uh, for the Oklahoman. So, um, you know, that's that's kind of what I'm looking forward to about that one. Yes, yeah, so I'm going to UConn, Norman North. Uh, obviously, UConn's offense is one of my favorite styles to play football, the triple options. Can't wait to see how that works. Uh, obviously, I just I, I seen them last year, and they were really, really dominant. Just want to see how they've picked up on that and continue that, continue what they uh, did last year. Just really just seeing them what's, what's going what's gonna to run on with that. Uh, not too familiar with Norman North just yet. Uh, what do you what do you guys think out of Norman North? What what's what's interesting about them? They're improved from last year. I know that. Yeah, this is this is Justin Jones' third year as head coach, and it's his best team he's had yet. Um, Gabe Trevillison is back at running back. Um, they're going to give him the ball a lot. I'd expect him to carry it twenty twenty five times. Um, Jackson Romaldo at quarterback is, is also has a bunch of experience under his belt. Um, defensive. Uh, they also have Parker Andrews, who's a sophomore tight end, who. Uh, everybody's expecting to kind of blow up on the recruiting trail here in the next year. So that's another player to watch for Norman North. Um, but yeah, offensively, they're going to be really good. Uh, defensively, again, just they have so much experience back. This is going to be uh, a, re- a big test for them, though, early. Like you said, having to go against UConn's offense, it's going to be uh, kind of really interesting to see how that one pans out. What's the what's the over-under on how many passes I'm going to see after, through this game? 
Five and a half. Five and a half. From, from, from UConn or both? This is both. What, what do you think? Because you got, you got the really good running back you, you talk about, and then you know well, you're going to run the ball. I covered UConn's game against Mustang, and they threw it more than I was expecting. I think they threw it five times. So <laughs> I would say <laughs> 20, 25 <laughs> combined. 25 combined. Okay, so, you, so you're thinking 20 from Norman, think, five from, five from UConn. Does that sound right? It's a good number. All right, we'll see. Next week we'll, we'll, we'll figure out how close you guys were. <laughs> Kind of a, and then kind of like I said, kind of coming up on district play here. Um, starts next week for most schools across the state. But we had one Twitter question. Uh, Joey Stipek, one of our former uh, web editors at the Oklahoma, reached out and asked about, uh, you know, COVID testing protocols, um, what that is like at the high school level. Um, and, you know, I, we were kind of talking about this a little bit beforehand. You know, there's not really testing protocols. Um, if a kid tests positive, they isolate him, they contact trace and isolate other people. Um, most of the time that's good enough. Sometimes the County health departments recently have been stepping in and quarantining entire teams for two weeks, which is why we're seeing some teams who, if they miss one game, they're going to end up missing both. Um, so that's obviously been interesting, but, um, what are some of the protocols that you've seen maybe individual schools taking here in the first couple of weeks? Like I've seen it where when I was up at Stillwater a couple of weeks ago, they only sold 25% of the capacity. Um, even their student section, there were spots taped on the bleachers where they could stand and they had to stand there the whole game. Masks had to be worn the whole game or you were asked to leave. Um, my very first game at Moore Stadium, multiple times the announcers continued saying, hey, if you don't put your masks on, we will stop the game until everybody here has their masks on. So uh, that's just a couple of the things that I've seen. Uh, wh what about you guys? What are some of the things that you've seen? I've definitely uh, – I've seen a few things uh, kind of combined from where I've been. Typically, when I enter the, the stadium, they take my temperature. I'm sure they do it for a lot of people, actually, when they enter. Uh, obviously, half capacity or however many tickets are selling, that's that's a thing. Um, masks are always required. Obviously, like you said, the, the announcer, you know, they frequently do that. If they don't have the announcer doing it, I guess they have a video of one of the players just, like, saying it over and over again. So that's kind of what's, what's happening there. And then typically, after the game, they don't really allow fans on the field or you know, anybody on the field that's not media or our team members, which I think is a kind of another step towards, you know, preventing COVID and all that. But um, that's, that's kind of what I'm seeing so far uh, in terms of that. Yeah, for me, it's, it's varied from school to school. Uh, the first game that I covered was at McGinnis, and they had like a socially distanced crowd, and you had to wear masks. Uh, but not every place has been like that. Um, I covered Mustang at UConn, and, you know, that game usually has, like, almost 10,000 people. Uh, but this time it was a little less than 3,000. They had to uh, limit the numbers. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess those are the main things that um, I've noticed, just kind of socially distanced crowd at some places. And, you know, you got to wear masks. But uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how stuff kind of progresses here as we get into district play, and we'll have more on this next week. Um, we'll have a story coming out about what happens if games have to be canceled because of COVID when district play starts. Um, the OSSA board passed a new provision that in the past, if you miss a district game, you are ineligible from the playoffs. That's obviously no longer the case. Um, there's still different provisions that they have in place for if you have teams who miss district games so where they can seed in the playoffs. 
Um, and we'll have more on that coming next week. But, uh, but no, I think it's going to be interesting. Um, and like we said, as we go throughout the season, we'll see more different protocols in place, depending on the schools we go to. Um, we'll see, I'm sure guidelines are going to change throughout the year everywhere. And it's just going to be interesting to follow. I mean, we're, it's kind of crazy. We're already marching right along. Um, we're getting closer and closer to state championships and cross country volleyball and fast pitch too. I mean, we're about a month out from those and that's crazy to think about because I've talked with a few ADs and some coaches and they, they're still so unsure if that, if we're even going to get to that point, but we're getting closer and closer, taking it week by week. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's all coming about, but, uh, you guys have anything else? What about, um, like non-football news? And, Softball. What's going on in softball? Softball's a it's got some really good teams right now. Obviously, defending champs in Memorial. Uh, they're they're they've only lost one game this season. They they're nationally ranked, I believe, at number three, and sophomore is just right behind them at number four on the national on the national level. Uh, really good teams, just especially in that six A class. Uh, obviously, Piedmont is. Piedmont graduated 14 seniors last year off their state championship team, but they just haven't – they haven't lost anything, seems like. They're still on track to do what they did last year. They're 17-3 right now. And just just with, with freshman and sophomore, really, it's, just, it's really remarkable what they've done. I have a story on that. You can check it out if you need to. Um, over at Ed, uh, Edmund Santa Fe, the Willa Ford, who's Tracy Ford's sister, the uh, Oklahoma State defensive tackle. She's a freshman, and she's she's batting 500 this year. Just throughout this whole season, this she has really come onto the scene, and she's probably going to be somebody that we really need to pay attention to from here on out. She's had three home runs this year, and like I said, the batting average is is impressive. Um, obviously, there's more teams down the line. I want to I don't want to list them all out just right here, but there's there's so many there's so many uh, good teams right now. What do you got, Nick? Across uh, country, we got. The uh, OK Runner Classic in Norman, that's coming up. Uh, it's always one of the biggest meets of the year, so that's that's coming up. Piedmont's going to be one of the teams that's there. And uh, Piedmont, uh, probably, I mean, probably the best program in the state right now, regardless of class. You know, they're in 5A, but, I mean, they've just been – they've been dominating. So, um, uh, so yeah, that's, that's going to be a big meet. And, um, you know, like you said, uh, the state – all the state stuff is is really not that far away, so it's 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 uh it's going to be interesting to see how everything plays out. Obviously, uh, the big story I wrote yesterday was Eddie Collins, a lot of coach. Uh, he broke the mo- the national record for most wins by a coach. So baseball, yeah, baseball, baseball. What did I say? Did I say football? No, you just didn't say it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah, but he, he yeah he broke the record for most wins. Uh, 2,116, he passed uh, Asher's coach, um, Merle Bowen, which is crazy that, you know, the, the top two guys are from Oklahoma, which, you know, that'll be something I'm looking into probably later on this uh, next week. To that's, a, that's an amazing story just in itself, just those two guys of how, how well they dominated the scene. Uh, and, they, and they know each other pretty well. Uh, so um, they actually coached together on the Sunbelt Conference a couple of years, just just really want to talk to them together and see how see how that is. Just both being at the top. 
Yeah, and then, like you said, that's is, is that is that a lot of wins? Two thousand one hundred sixteen seems like a lot. Um, seems like a lot. But uh, that's uh, congrats to him. That was a that was a fun story. If you didn't have a chance to check it out yet, definitely go and check it out on James's Twitter, Oklahoman.com, dot com too. Um, I, I definitely recommend going and checking that out because it's a lot of wins, a lot of memories, and he. I don't know if he can quite remember every single win, every single pitch from him, but that's a that's. I don't even want to think about how many like outs that is in that many games and how many wins. <laughs> Had to go extras and and everything, but that's fantastic. Uh, volleyball is kind of moving right along. Um, kind of teams are starting to get some separation. Like in six A, it looks as if uh, Bishop Kelly and Edmond Santa Fe are going to kind of be the top two teams. Which there's always an Edmond team that sticks around, but uh, Edmond North actually just won the uh, the Heather Hartness Classic, which is one of the biggest tournaments in the city uh, every uh, beginning of every September. Uh, in five A, it's Victory Christian, Mount St. Mary's that are the top two. 4A, it's Casha Hall and, and Christian Heritage Academy, which is no surprise to see CHA up top. And then uh, in, in 3A, it's, it's OBA and then Community Christian and Chisholm kind of up there in the top three. So, you know, it all it, it's kind of all getting closer to regionals for 3A and 4A, which is crazy to think. Those are coming here in a couple of weeks. And, and like you said, I mean, there's, there's just so much going on in the world right, of high school sports right now, and everything's kind of full go. And just how crazy the summer it was and how quick everything shut down, it's kind of nice to have everything going on. So um what else guys is that it owen ostrowski committed to uh army this week uh tulsa tulsa holland hall he's yeah he's a stud um he's the second army commit joining a Wasso linebacker a mod triplet owens at 6'2 245 plays dn is just a monster um and he's just a monster uh, there was a video of him on twitter a couple weeks ago just doing a little rip, doing a little rip move and hitting the just just destroying the quarterback. I mean, it hurt me just watching the video. Um, but uh, yeah, so congrats to Owen for committing. That's a, obviously an awesome deal. He's going to uh, get to go play college football, but yeah, definitely a cool deal. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's full go right now. I mean, I agree with you guys. It's, it's pretty cool to see that it's full go and, and we're just kind of along for the ride. It's, it's kind of cool to be in this seat where we can just get to witness it all and kind of see everything going on. So but uh, but no, this is uh, this has been another edition of the Oklahoma's Varsity Podcast. Thank you guys for listening in. Make sure you uh, make sure you subscribe to the Newsroom Podcast. So you don't miss an episode of the Varsity uh, the Varsity that comes out every week. Uh, make sure you guys, if you have any questions for us, ask us throughout the week, or make sure we always put out a tweet before we record it, and you guys can ask us then. Um, and we just thank you guys so much for for always listening and supporting us. And you can always follow all of our work on Twitter and also at Oklahoman.com. Um, anything else before we sign off, guys? Stay safe. Yeah, sure stay, stay safe. Uh, enjoy, enjoy everything while we have it. Hopefully, it keeps going, and uh, we'll uh, be back here for you guys next week. For for James and Nick, I'm Cameron. Thank you guys for listening to another edition of the Oklahoma's Varsity Podcast.